The Fourth Wall, Episode 1, Haley Joel Osment. Welcome to The Fourth Wall, everyone. My name is Michael R. I'm the podcast editor here at Den of Geek, and this is the inaugural edition of a podcast that takes you beyond the screen or the page and brings you into our conversations with the creative people behind your favorite movies, TV shows, comics, and more. And of course, the fourth wall being a reference to that invisible imagined wall that separates actors from the audience, whether it be on stage or on screen. And we're even going to take it further with some behind the scenes looks at some comics that you might read, some books that you might read. And today we have a very exciting inaugural guest, and that is Haley Joel Osment, who of course many people remember from his childhood roles in Forrest Gump, The Sixth Sense, AI, and others. But here he's going to talk to us a little bit about some recent developments in his career. First of all, Future Man Season 2 dropped in January, and people have been enjoying that. But more recently, he is part of the wonderful story that's come out on the site uh, surrounding Kingdom Hearts 3, a video game that he provides the voiceover of the character Sora for. And I'm not sure how many people necessarily knew that, but he's been doing it for 15 years, almost as long as he's been acting, actually. He started doing that Kingdom Hearts role not too long after Sixth Sense. So we're talking to him a little bit about that. Mostly we're talking to him about Future Man Season 2, since that's his role that's more recent. But uh, we cover the whole gamut with him so that we can take you beyond the fourth wall, like I said, and really give you a flavor for the creative force behind so many great uh, movies and video games. Uh, Video games are part of the mix too, as well for the fourth wall. So we hope you enjoy this new format. We're hopefully going to have multiple hosts for this podcast. Many of the editors and contributors at Den of Geek are going to be interviewing. They already do interview a lot of people uh, over the phone, and we're just going to see if we can record them for the podcast and share them with you this way, just as an additional way to allow you to enjoy some of the content that we provide. So without further ado, let's go ahead and share with you our interview with Haley Joel Osment that we conducted just before Future Man Season 2 came out. We're here today with Haley Joel Osment, who people may know from way back with Forrest Gump and The Sixth Sense, but since then he's had a wealth of roles and one of my favorite ones in the comedic vein that has come about on Hulu is Future Man, and we're here to talk to him today about his character Stu Camillo. Thanks for joining us, Haley. No problem, man. Good to be here. Now, before we get into Future Man, let's talk a little bit about the journey that led you to Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, because I can only imagine... They must have seen what I saw in Entourage and some of the humor in the antagonist, Travis. Was that part of uh, how you got to Stu or how did you get involved in the project originally? What was the path? I just read for it. I think, gosh, now it was uh, going on three years ago uh, before season one. And uh, (laughs) there, there is a little bit of overlap with Travis and, you know, Stu in his sort of the, the, the worst versions of him. Uh, <laughs> and that's what was so fun about season one is that we got to, you know, I ended up playing like five or six versions of uh, the same character. And uh, yeah, in, in like seasons two or uh, episodes two and five, when I'm sort of at the top of the company and sort of bullying 
Dr. Cronish around and everything. There's definitely some Travis stuff. But it's such a complicated show. The character has really evolved since the, the first audition scene. And the relationship between Josh and Stu uh, has really been something that's been fluid literally in the show. Because whenever Tiger and Wolf and Josh are jumping around, they're a little subtleties uh, that change in their relationship, as well as giant uh, changes in Earth's destiny. So that's been fun to be along on the ride for. <laughs> Were uh, Seth and Evan familiar with your prior work in uh, that character vein, or was it a traditional audition process? Yes, they were. <laughs> Definitely. And they are just so much fun to work for. Uh, very uh, impressive to watch all of the different things that they manage at the same time. They've got like, I don't know, four or five shows going at once apart from the movies they're doing. So the team that was handling this, this show where we have you know, time jumps and are working in a bunch of different timelines and time periods, it was really just a, an incredible thing to witness. Now, you mentioned that Travis in some way resembles your character in Future Man, Stu Camillo. And I think that partly is due to his earnest worldview that actually some viewers might actually sometimes agree with him just from that standpoint. What did you enjoy most about being able to play Stu in this new timeline in season two where he, he still hates Josh, but he's found quite a bit of success even without the girlfriend he so desperately desires. <laughs> right. Luckily, the, the quote-unquote nice guy, Stu, from episode 11, I think it was in season one, ends up being the one that survives the biotic apocalypse and being in the timeline that they find themselves in in season two. And he's a fun character, not just because there's you know, still the heightened elements of him that play into the comedy and everything, but there's definitely real concrete motivations for all of his plans and, you know, his desire to be sort of a benevolent dictator to save humanity from itself. And that is wired into him on the, you know, in the same way that he cannot let go of this obsession with this woman that he met for one day in 2017. <laughs> so, you know, he's built this entire society, but that one day with Tyann back in, in, you know, the previous century, uh, is just something that still sort of haunts him and excites him. Now I've heard from many actors who play villains that their characters don't, necessarily see themselves as bad guys. And that's certainly the case in Future Man Season 2 with Stu. Is that how you approached the character yourself? Or did you find he was already like that in the script? Or where did it come from, the performance or the or the writing or both? Oh, yeah, for, for every character, you you know, as it is in pretty much everybody's life in their own heads, you're, you're definitely the protagonist of your own story and the hero of your own story. So anything that a character does that, you know, most of us on the outside might see as being immoral or wrong is justifiable to them to, uh, you know, achieve what they think is right. And Stu's an ex extreme example of that, you know, throughout the entire series where he's willing to do a lot of immoral things because he thinks it's good for people. And he often doesn't think that people know what's good for themselves. And one of my favorite parts has to be with the psychologist that Stu has in his head that reinforces everything that he, <laughs> that he thinks because it's part of him. Yes, that that is a, one of my favorite devices that they came up with this season because yeah, I think most people go to therapy to have an outside party, you know, to judge their decisions and tell them if what they're doing is right. And then Stu, it's just another part of himself justifying everything. <laughs> uh, I think at one place Artemis is like, you are correct in everything that you do, which is exactly what Stu wants to hear. So, yeah, I, I love doing those scenes. <laughs> Well, now, arguably, Stu's part is, I guess, a little bit bigger in season two than it was in season one. Were you told about what your character's journey would be back then? I mean, did Ben or Seth or Evan say, look, 
Stu will be a big part of season two. Just trust us on this. Stick with us. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they had some ideas at the end of season one, but did not fully. Uh, there's a lot of technical things that sort of shape uh, where a series goes and everything. And I think they developed that towards the end of 2017 after season one came out and in the early part of last year. And I ended up going into a meeting with uh, Kyle and Ari and, and Ben Carlin and everybody uh, in like April, where it was like a two hour session just explaining everything that happened in season two. And then it's a pretty complex story. And at the end, it's like, oh man. And like, then we add a bunch of like jokes and comedy into it too. So it's a really epic story. And, you know, having seen the sort of running and gunning way that we did uh, season one, where they're jumping around to all these timelines and season two, where it sort of all exists in this one world. Uh, and you have characters kind of split up in this second act of the journey. Um, it's just been really epic. Yeah, and I keep saying Seth and Evan. I should be saying Kyle and Ariel in that sense because I'm sure they were <laughs> a big part of designing your character as the writers. But um, oh yeah, <laughs> in Future Man, this the humor can be described sometimes as risque. I guess you could say were were there moments on set or perhaps when the director yelled "cut" that were difficult not to laugh uproariously in reaction to, <laughs> and you had to keep a straight face uh, as the professional actors that you are. Oh, totally. But it was a very fun set. It was, a, it was a grueling season just because, you know, with when you're working with clones and holograms and stuff like that, you have to shoot scenes uh, a lot of times in a lot of different angles and everything. So it was, it was grueling in that way, but it was made easy by the fact that it's a great team and we all were coming back after working with, with each other in the previous season and just personally enjoying it and everything. But when it comes to the uh, really violent or sexual aspects of it um my guide for comedy for a long time has been something i heard sam rockwell say when he was doing galaxy quest which is that he he really wanted to believe that he was in mortal danger in all those situations and the fact that it was a real true fear response is what makes it so funny so in all these things when you know you're reading it it's, it's absurd and very silly in certain ways when you're playing it just totally straight and that that's the reality of the character. I think that's where we got a lot of the comedy out of it. So that's always, always fun to do. <laughs> and it makes it easier to keep a straight face. <laughs> that's right. Now I hear there's a musical number later in the season with Stu and Tiger. How did that come about? And were you excited or nervous to showcase your hidden vocal talent for the series? <laughs> that was definitely one of my favorite, if not my favorite episodes to do. Uh, Cause yeah, it, it, it goes a little bit into, you know, the fantasy world. And that was something that we knew was, was coming early on in the season. So both Eliza and I were like, you know, we'll, take, you know, however much time we have available to us before, you know, learn some dance moves and go into the studio and lay down this track. And that was, that was a very fun sort of field trip outside of the the normal day-to-day -day working of the of the show. So yeah, that's definitely a standout episode for me. <laughs> yeah. Then we definitely wanted to tease that for any listeners out there who haven't gotten to that episode yet. Definitely one to look forward to. <laughs> so obviously your name will always be associated fondly with your childhood roles in Forrest Gump and The Sixth Sense. But do you find that as time goes by, especially in the past five years or so, people who run into you say, hey, it's Slow Joey from Comedy Bang Bang or, or you know, some people who recognize Travis or Keenan. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a great one to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm a fan of Comedy Bang Bang myself. Um, but yeah, Slow Joey, that, that has happened. 
I was just shooting in Toronto. It was eating at a sushi bar with some people that turned out to be Comedy Bang Bang fans. That was kind of funny. <laughs> but um, another one that just uh, in L.A. and New York tends to, uh, tends to be popular is Silicon Valley and have had experiences where people are like, oh, like, I work in tech. Like, let's get a photo of us shaking hands. And that's always kind of funny to me because, like, you know, the character was kind of a bad guy. He probably didn't want to do business with the character from the show, but uh, I'm definitely glad that people enjoyed it. Yeah, I figured Keenan was probably in the in the list and some other ones. And, and I think partly yeah. maybe because of the beard, I think people have started to associate with you yeah. with the with the bearded <laughs> characters. <laughs> I, I grew that out like four years ago. And it, it for a while worked as a disguise, but it's definitely been in enough shows now to where it uh, <laughs> has ceased to be helpful. <laughs> now, what about your voiceover work as Sora? You've been doing the voice of the Kingdom Hearts protagonist for 15 years now, starting just a couple of years after Sixth Sense. Do people generally know that that's you, and can you still do a pretty good kid's voice, or has Sora aged as well? I'm not really familiar with the game, but... <laughs> it has. The time Time is also fluid in that series, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, that has just been an incredible journey and uh you know just you know video games have, have really become such a giant global community and you know just people from all walks of life to play that game and and look forward to the installments as they come out and um yeah it's just just being on the creation side of that series and seeing all the incredible artwork that they you know and the design as it's built when we're doing voiceover and everything it's uh, definitely one of my favorite jobs to do so uh, that'll be that'll definitely be fun when that comes out at the end of the month. Oh, that's right. I, I didn't keep that in mind. I was thinking of the 2017 title, but yeah, we got another one coming. Yeah, we were working on that a lot of uh, the past year, and uh, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, coming down to it. It's gonna be coming out soon. All right, and those of you who enjoy the comedy stylings of Future Man can check out all episodes that are available on Hulu as of January 11th. And thanks so much for joining us to talk to us about the show, Haley. No problem, man. Great talking to you. All right. Well, we're so grateful to Haley Joel Osment for joining us for this interview and to be our very first guest on The Fourth Wall. And we expect this podcast will come out bi-weekly at the most, not every week, but hopefully as often as possible, we'll get one out to you. And um, hopefully people will catch on to this podcast and subscribe. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen to it directly from the site. But that'll wrap things up for this episode. Come back in two weeks for the next edition of the podcast when we'll break through the fourth wall once again to talk to another creator or performer behind the entertainment that you love. Remember to follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US. My name is Michael R. And you can follow me at Mike Sci-Fi. Find more content at denofgeek.com. And thanks. Join us again next time. Beyond the Fourth Wall. Beyond the Fourth Wall.